You ain't ready. <laughs> you ain't ready. <laughs> you, you think you're ready, but you ain't ready. <laughs> I got into bed last night. Twelve weeks! I've had to preach on a chair. I had a wonderful senior member of our congregation say, Shannon, I've even missed your pacing. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know how good you've got it until it's gone. <laughs> but we're back, and we're going to have fun. And I got a word this morning that by the time I'd finished it and I just kept adding to it and tweaking it and refining it and then last night I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. I was like, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. I want to I be in the house of God. I want to share what's on my heart. And so we're going to do that and it's going to be awesome. But very quickly before we do, I want to honor some people this morning. I want to honor some people who over the last 12 weeks have absolutely blown my mind, who deserve our adoration, who deserve our um, honor this morning. Because they have served you and they have served God in a wonderful way and it's worthy of praise. And I don't want us to just put an hour on them this morning. I want us to bestow the honor of Jesus on them this morning. I want us to put our hands together for that man down there, Bo, James Bo, who over the last 12 weeks has done sound, done video. I mean, I don't even know what this does, I'm going to be perfectly honest, but it's here. And, uh, yeah. turning it into a home studio. Uh, James Galloway was a little bit convinced at one point you were running an episode of Big Brother in your house with cameras in every room. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we're so grateful. I also want us to put our hands together for Sue, who's over in the other building this morning with the children, who over the last several weeks have served as honor. Oh, she's here. Hey! Come on, here she is. Extra loud then, because she's in the building. She organized all things. She organized me. She organized you. She organized half the community. In the midst of that, she managed to apply for grants. She managed to build a relationship with our community. And we were all supposed to be stuck at home. So I don't, I don't know how she did it. Um, she probably broke a few rules and we should probably talk to her about it. But no. <laughs> sure she did. I want to honor every single one of our people who hosted or facilitated a small group. Can we put our hands together? Every single one who said, I'm not going to let the building close stop us from having church. I'm so grateful to every single one of you that opened your home. Uh, that had to vacuum in the early hours of every Sunday morning so that when people turned up, they believed the lie that your house is always immaculate. <laughs> I want to thank every single one of you who organized your rank communion, uh, who facilitated hand painting, uh, every single one of you that managed to get people to follow the rules and not use multiple colors on the drawing. <laughs> and then I want to put my hands together and honor the people who put multiple colors anyway. So, you know, go for you. I just, I love what has happened over the last few weeks. I want to thank every single one who made a phone call. Every single one of you who rang somebody. I don't care whether you guys did it because you were on a roster to do it, because you were on a, a, a responsibility to do it, or whether you just did it out of the goodness of your heart. I want to honor you. Can we honor them this morning as well? Because these are the people that build community. These are the people who help us to get closer. One of the things that I loved is Sue and I started getting phone calls from people saying, hey, you're on my list of people to call. Sue made the list. She's like, I'm not. <laughs> so you all lied. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that later. But it was worth it. Because we had the reason and the excuse and the commonality of ringing to hear from people. Finally, I want to, I, I want to honor each and every single one of you who has stuck it through for 
continue, whether it's the tune in the service, if you continue to, to support me, email me, call me, call someone else. Every single one of you has remained a part of a church over these last 12 weeks and it has shown me and it has cemented in me that this is my home. This is our place and what we have here is special. So would you all, all put your hands together for yourselves and the person on your right and the left? Because I love it. I need to stop doing that because my wife's in a horrible way. So, uh, just, and then every single one who's tuned in online, those of you who are new, those of you who tuned in on the uh, we just you are the reason that we do all of this. Every single person who over this time has come closer to Jesus, who didn't know Jesus and now knows Jesus, we honor you most of all. Because you have made the most important decision that you have ever made. The most transformational decision. The most inconvenient decision. I'll be real. The most inconvenient. And someone next to you will be real too. But yeah, most inconvenient. <coughs> yeah, most inconvenient. Yeah, the crowd is on fire this morning. There are so many more people. The worship team who... Continue to get out of bed and try things and turn up and continue to brush their teeth and wash their face and, and be present and presentable for the camera when everyone else is sitting at home in their pajamas. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but all I really want to say is this church is awesome and I love it and I love you guys and I'm excited for where we go next. <laughs> Come on. That was, was that?
the algo and support local performance on the sound that we have it made. So we're there, and I'd always wanted to do a bungee jump. Always wanted to do a bungee jump. Now, that, hearing that makes you do one of two things. Either you go, yes, yeah. or no. <laughs> I'd always wanted to do a bungee jump. Look at that scrawny head of hair. Like, what? Do you know the craziest thing about that? And it's not that I had hair. That's the second craziest thing. The craziest thing about that is that I thought I was fucked when I wore that thing. <laughs> I thought when I wore that, I looked, you know, like, <laughs> how blind, how blind, how blind was I? Better to have too much confidence than not enough, I say. So, so anyway, I wanted to do a bungee jump. We registered, I wanted to do the big one, but I could only afford the little one. Just 43 metres, which for some of you are going, that's quite far enough, thank you very much. Now, there's some things you may not know about bungee jumping if you've never done one. The first one is the big rope. Which, when you look at from a distance, looks like this massive, big, long thing, you know, like this single unit of stretchy goodness. Right? And then when you're tied to it, you look down at it, you realise it's just like a million rubber bands all wound together. <laughs> and then there's a whole lot of frayed bits sticking out. <laughs> and you go, is this good for like a million jumps and then not so good? And is someone counting? And how do you know? Are they snap bits or what bits? So like, you're looking at that and going, from a distance, that looked real good. That looked real safe. Up close. Not so sure about that. The second thing uh, that, that you probably don't, you may, in fact, you probably know this, but I didn't know this being 19 until it pressed me, is that the human body has a reflex that says generally, I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you stand on the edge of something and you look down and they go, just jump down there, you go, that's bad advice. <laughs> if your mother told you, you know, if your best friend told you to jump off a bridge, would you? Well, apparently. <laughs> That's the second thing. The third thing is they asked me if I wanted to touch the water. And then they asked me whether I wanted to touch up to my elbows or go the whole way. Now I'm a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes to dunking, I reckon you either do it right or you don't do it at all. <laughs> I said, I'm going all the way in, baby. And there's a video on the, on the video of me doing this. I couldn't find it to bring it to you. But he says, <laughs> you hear the guy go, Oh, big water. <laughs> Which concerns me for a number of reasons, because I went deeper than they thought I was going to go. And they're responsible for making the rope, so I go the depth of, anyways. You listen to things sometimes in hindsight and go, maybe I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> but the other thing is they go, do you want to go full? And I go, yeah, I want to go full in. And they go, okay, aim for that rock. I have a question. <laughs> I have a question. He's like, oh, you won't hit the rock. If you, if you aim for it, you won't hit it. And I'm like, what if I don't aim for it? It's like, I have so many questions. And so here I am, standing on the edge, and here's the fourth thing that I learned about bungee jumping. I'd always wanted to do a bungee jump until the moment I was standing on the edge looking down. Right. I don't know that I want to do a bungee jump. Now, those of you that have known me for a little while, or you've been watching me for the last five minutes, uh, know that maybe I'm a little enthusiastic. I like to keep people happy. It's, it's an insecurity, I'm working on it. Uh, and so at that moment, as I'm standing on the edge going, I don't know if I want to do this, an entire busload of Chinese tourists turn up to see the bungee experience. <laughs> Where there had previously been about five people, there were now at least 40 to 50. You can see just some of them in that photo. 40 to 50 people, and they are all there to see a demonstration, not only of this crazy feat, but an example of the Kiwi culture.
culture that would dare to create such an activity in the first place. And so on the count of three, there could be no hesitation. I was representing my country. <laughs> and so on the count of three, my legs did what I thought was jumping, but when I looked, what I did on the video was I bent my legs and just fell. Hence, <laughs> why when you look at that video, I'm not actually that far from the platform. I look like I've left, but I really haven't left. But I did it, one, two, three, and that was the day that my desire to be comfortable was overcome by my desire to be inspirational. <laughs> 2020 has been a wild ride. You know, the biggest waste of money that I've spent this year was my year plan. That's how throw it out. When I said at Vision Sunday at the beginning of the year we were going off the map as a church, this was certainly not what I had in mind. And yet, it's strangely fitting. There wasn't a map for where we've just been. There's not really a map for where we go next. And there was barely time to pack a bag before we set off into unfamiliar territory. Like, oh, by the way, you're not leaving your house tomorrow. Okay. And yet, over the last three months, every single one of us has had to overcome. And has overcome. You've overcome isolation. We've overcome fear, we've overcome uncertainty, disappointment, deferred plans, confusion, crisis, financial disruption or hardship. And here we are. I overcame 12 weeks of preaching sitting down. I know you're sick of hearing about it, but it was a big deal. When you get set free from something, you rave about it just a little bit. The only thing left to do is preach a sermon without waving my arms and Jesus can come back. <laughs> Aren't you glad that's not what it's relying on? <laughs> oh, <you're> <coughs> There is still uncertainty ahead in many ways, but we have also charted new pathways, learned new skills, grown new and deeper friendships. And here's a quote. In being forced to forsake the familiar, we have been forced, we are, oh, sorry, in order to, in being forced to forsake the familiar, we have been able to embrace the fruitful. The spirit of the overcomer. Turn to the person next to you, give them a nudge and say, I'm an overcomer. Say it like you've actually overcome something. I'm an overcomer. <laughs> how many would you, of you would agree? How many of you would agree in the last 12 weeks you've overcome something? You've overcome something. Might be big, might be small, but you've overcome something. How many of you found a significant, significant part of that overcoming uncomfortable? Nobody goes, oh, I love overcoming. It's great. It feels really good. It's just a, you know. And yet, how many of you wouldn't change it? Because of the fruit. This morning I'm talking about the spirit of the overcomer. The Bible says we should overcome. In fact, the Bible doesn't just suggest it, it commands it. In our opening text this morning, verse 4, we read, everyone, everybody, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Not most people, not some people, everyone born of God overcomes the world. You were created, you were, were commissioned to overcome. You were not created to manage. You were created to overcome. You were not created to manage, to survive. You were created to overcome. We all like the testimonies of overcomers, and we like the idea of being overcomers, but we usually loathe and lament and elude the circumstances that need to be overcome. 
But now is the perfect time to count. You know, now's the time to rest. We've just we've had this we've had this time. Can we just chill? And, and I'd love to. I'm, I'm so in for it, but Jesus says no. <laughs> now is the perfect time to count. Why? Because the spirit of the overcomer is already active in you. We have raw and recent stories of overcoming, and they empower us to overcome again. Revelation chapter 12 says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How many times has God provided you for you in a specific area, and then six months later you had to trust God for that specific area again, and you've struggled? You know, you've had to trust God for financial breakthrough, and he came through at the 11th hour, and you go, man, I'll never doubt God again. And then six months later you're back in the same place, and you're going, I don't know if he can do it. And yet you have a story from your own life of when God overcome. But the problem is, our stories go stale. Your testimony goes stale. We can't live on yesterday's mana. But today's mana gives us the strength for tomorrow's battle. And so today, while we have fresh testimonies, the eye of the tiger, so to speak, the awakened and proven spirit of the overcomer, now is the time to talk about overcoming. I wish I could get to now. You were created to overcome. You were not created to manage. So much of our lives now, we talk about how to manage. How to manage. How to live with. How to live with anxiety. How to live with depression. How to manage stress. And I say someone that battles all three. I say that as someone who battles all three of those things. Not as someone who's never experienced or struggled. The Bible says we will battle. In John chapter 16, verse 33, we read, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Take heart, for I have overcome. You will face trouble, but not trouble that you can't overcome. When God calls Jeremiah in chapter 1, we read in verse 19. Is that what I gave you? <laughs> I didn't give you that one at all, did I? Kill. Good. <laughs> Means I can just say whatever I like. It's not. Jeremiah chapter 1, go and read it. Test it to be true. This is the test to make sure that you actually go and open your Bible and not just listen to me. God says to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a pep talk. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not, they will not, they will not overcome you, for I am with you. You're going to need to turn this down, because I'm going to keep getting heavier in here, and I'm having to get it closer and closer down here, and I know you have that. <laughs> for I am with you, and I will rescue you. The problem is not the battle. The problem is the mentality we get fed that says that the battle is unending. You were created to overcome because everyone who knows God, everyone who is born of God, overcomes the world. If you want to have the spirit of the overcomer, first you have to have the mindset of the overcomer. But all too quickly we develop the Kiwi mentality of it is what it is. It is what it is. We resign ourselves, surrender to a narrative that says this is my lot in life. There are certain illnesses that we hear someone contract and we say, well, that never ends well. We curse it before it's even begun. We sign off defeat before we even take the front line. Or in the midst of the battle, we perceive what we interpret as defeat and we throw our hands in the air and say, that's it, it's over. The spirit of the overcomer knows that there is always hope in Jesus. The spirit of the overcomer hopes against hope. It always speaks life. You've got to bring this down just a little bit more, bro, this time. <laughs> Uh, the spirit of the overcomer hopes against hope. It always speaks 
life and knows that defeat is impossible. Defeat is impossible, even if it doesn't look like my definition of victory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar and when threatened with the fiery furnace, they remarked that God would save them. But even if he didn't, they wouldn't bow because if they died in that fire, they will be overcome. Overcome into tyranny, idolatry. As a caveat, please note that they were respectful while they did it. <laughs> they believed this because they knew in their hearts that it's not most people born of God overcome. Not all people born of God manage and survive through life. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. I'm going to give you another quotable. You can put it on your Instagram or your journal or whatever you like. Uh, or you can be offended by it and then ask yourself why you're offended by it. <coughs> Are you ready? When you gave your life to Jesus, you gave up your right to lose the battle. When you gave your life to Jesus, you gave up your right to lose the battle. So don't tell me that it's too hard. Start, stop, the old saying, stop telling God how big your problem is and start telling your problem how big your God is. We're having church up again. In the time I have left, I want to highlight to you the key areas that we need to overcome and the two biggest reasons we don't overcome. And then I want to lay hands on some people. You're called to overcome in two areas. You're called to overcome sin, and you're called to overcome the status quo. Let's start with the easy one. Sin. When we preach the gospel, often we're very good at explaining the atonement of the blood of Jesus. The idea that Jesus' sacrifice and our salvation saves us from the penalty of sin. That although the wages of sin are death, the gift of God is eternal life. And that is 100% true, and I would not take away anything from it. However, I would add that it's equally important to know that God didn't just set you free from the penalty of sin, he set you free from the power of sin. Because if you only get set free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin still works in your life, you just don't feel guilty about it. But you didn't just get set free from the penalty, you got set free from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 to 11 says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we now also will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break all the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should, should consider yourselves to be dead through the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. When we adopt an attitude that we've been set free from the penalty but not the power, we will continue to allow sin to wreak havoc in our lives and abandon hope of overcoming its conditions. I'm not saying we should be perfect. I'll talk about that in the next slide. <clears throat> what I'm saying is that as we walk with God, we should win the battle. Although the righteous man falls seven times, he is never utterly cast down. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, one of the most misused texts in the Bible. 
First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Which means we don't get to say, it was too hard for me. It might have been too hard for you, but it wasn't too hard for Jesus. You gave up your right to lose the battle. If you don't believe in Jesus, it's cool. You, you know, these rules don't apply to you. That's fine. But neither do the benefits. <laughs> I'm not going to try and force you to live a way that you don't want to live. But when I see the provision that Jesus, I go, oh, that would make sense to me. When we fail to overcome sin, it isn't because God isn't faithful. It's because we have failed to see or failed to take the way out that he has provided. And sometimes we've seen the way that he's provided, we just chose not to take it. Can we be real for a second? We've all been there. I've been there. We've all seen the way and gone, I could have made that phone call. I could have called that person. I could have gone to that. I could have said no. I could have whatever. And we went, I don't say that to be down on you. I just say that to go, hey, we've all been there. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <laughs> the joy of the gospel is his grace always picks us up. But it picks us up to have another go. The grace of God is not an excuse to forget the power of God. So we've talked about the easy one, sin. You thought that was the hard one. <laughs> Let's talk about the tough one. You were created to overcome the status quo. Here's the truth. I see more trouble motivating Christians out of the status quo than I do out of sin. It's more difficult. You speak to any pastor, any preacher, any person who's run a small group, anything like that. It is harder to motivate people out of the status quo than it is to motivate them out of sin. Why? Because the status quo is comfortable. What's the status quo? It's the present circumstance. It's the current hindrances. It's the adversity, the apathy, the comfort, the contentment, the racism, the whatever it happens to be for you. It's all those things that are in the world right now that you live in. That yes, we should fight against and yes, we should change. But guess what? Even if they don't change, you overcome anyway. You prove them wrong. It's one thing to mow ourselves to overcome unpleasant things. It's quite another to overcome the comfortable. Because overcoming the comfortable would, be, would mean willingly moving myself into discomfort. It's getting real quiet here. You guys okay? Just check on your neighbor for a minute. Just go. You all right, bro? You all right, sis? Maybe, maybe not like that. <laughs> Can we just take a quick moment to highlight the places where you can't be seen by the camera in the building? <laughs> Anyway, that's on the gravy train. Unbecoming, overcoming the comfortable would, would mean willingly moving myself into discomfort. The last 12 weeks have given me incredible insight into what's on the other side of the status quo. During those first few weeks in level four, we engaged with our community more than ever before with our Sunday services. And the names of some of those who were tuning in, I could scarcely believe. In fact, if you asked them, they, they probably would have scarcely believed they were there either. Some of the people that were watching, tuning in, uh, some of them who I've never known to be interested in spirituality. And they were joining. We were more connected with our community through Sunday than ever before. And then when we moved into small groups, we became more connected as a community than ever before. I heard more stories about relationships, new friendships, deeper friendships, 
But one of the things that happened is we lost a lot of that contact with some of those ones who were watching. I don't know if they continued or if they stopped or whatever happened. And then the closer and closer, we've been really keen to get back to proper church, as I keep hearing people call it, which I hate, by the way, but you can take it and do what you want with it. We've been really keen to get back to proper church. But here's my concern. There's a part of me that feels like the closer we've come to returning to proper church, the closer we've got to the status quo, and the further we've got from my passion zone, the further we've got from the reason we do this, the people that we want to reach, the people that we want to love. Now, i got some friends over in Nelson who they've just pulled the plug and gone, this is how we do church now. I'm not going to do that to you, don't worry, just don't panic. It's not that announcement. <laughs> but it should concern us that in the coming back, I don't want to come back to something old, I want to come into something new. And I don't just want to talk about it. I want to do it. And I want to do it while we know that we can overcome. Because we've already done it. <laughs> Lord, your servant is <laughs> If you're online, a phone just rang because you'd be like, I don't get it. They didn't even do it. <laughs> so weird trying to Anyway, there are people outside these walls that do not have the same freedom, the same love, the same joy, and the same peace that we do. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm so keen to get rid of Melbourne. It's not enough to be free from sin and then do nothing with our freedom. In the New Testament, those who were set free from slavery and sin would instead willingly adopt the title of slavery, doulos, to Christ, to use their freedom to advance the kingdom of others and introduce uh, other people to that freedom. And do you know what they face for that? Persecution. Inconvenience. Some of them even death. You might go, it doesn't sound like overcoming to me. They would disagree. <laughs> we truly embody the spirit of the overcomer when overcoming is not merely for ourselves, but for those around us. You were called to overcome sin. Oh my goodness, I said that. You were called to overcome the status quo. So the only question that remains is why don't you? Why don't you? What are you waiting for? Put simply, I believe there's two reasons. Number one, we don't walk closely with Jesus. In fact, let me, let me say it in a less threatening way. Number one, I don't walk closely enough with Jesus. That way I own it. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We can't overcome in our own strength. We overcome because He has overcome. When we walk outside of His presence trying to do it on our own or without listening and looking to His provision, we always end up falling flat on our face in the gutter. Let me give you a bunch of quickfire scriptures that you can either, if you don't have time to write them all down, write down the references, go home and look them up. Put them on your fridge, put them on your car window, but the ones that you don't look through, because <laughs> that's a bad idea. Um, put them somewhere where you're going to see them. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 to 19. He replied, Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given. I have given. Where does authority come from? Jesus. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome most of the power of the enemy. Overcome all the power of Nothing will harm you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. And his incomparably great power. I love that. Incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ 
from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I think that pretty much covers everything. Why? Because of him, because of his power. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them, but not you. You have overcome because God has overcome in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 30. I don't know what I've got there. What have I given you? The whole thing. Let's just do it. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah, that'll do. Just a bunch of that, that. Just go read Romans 8. It's a great book. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He'll fulfill everything you need according to who? Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So then God has chosen to make known the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Dr. Ray Andrews says it this way. The only hope God has of getting glory out of you is putting his glory in you. <laughs> we don't have a sin problem. We have a spirit problem. Because when we walk closely with Jesus, we will overcome. You know, I've been talking to someone recently who's got things in their life, you know, that they're struggling going through a dark time and, you know, they were talking about all these different problems. I said, I don't want to talk about it. Because if we address this, that'll all take care of itself. Sometimes we spend too much time focusing on our sin. And yet, the, you know, the old song, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You want to win the battle over your sin? Get closer to Jesus. Stop focusing on it. Focus on him. We don't have a sin problem. We have a spirit problem. Connect with God. Spend time in his word and in his presence and you will triumph over sin. Sin will keep you from this book. Or this book will keep you from sin. Make your choice. Good question, Amen. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm you know, like I thought we'd come in and we'd get like a real nice sort of like two months in Kumbaya and like everybody's just feel better, maybe we give each other shoulder rubs and the time is too short, people. <laughs> we fail to overcome when we walk closely with God. And secondly, we fail to overcome because we fail to perceive the need. We fail to see the need to overcome. If this last 12 weeks has taught me anything, watching how quickly churches all across the city, the country, and across the world got their services televised, got their food banks mobilized, got their care plans organized, it's this. As a church and individuals, we are more than capable of overcoming when the perceived need is great enough. Yeah. We could have gone online years ago. But we didn't need to. But maybe we did. And we just didn't see the need. See, the reality is, we don't want to overcome, we don't want to change because we don't see the need, but the need is there. There are people who do not have the freedom, the love, the joy, the peace, the salvation that you do, who are counting on you to overcome. <laughs> we shouldn't have to wait for a crisis to reveal it. We need to open our eyes to see it, ask our God to reveal it right where we are. We are still in a time where the next few weeks, months, and maybe years are uncertain. But even without COVID, there are people every day who are battling guilt, fear, shame, 
poverty, isolation, mental illness, hopelessness. And we literally gather around the answer every time. And every day in our prayer and our devotion. But we have forgotten how much we needed it. Let alone how much others need it. And so we refuse to overcome. We refuse to risk. We refuse to interrupt our worldly comforts, our routines and our traditions. Because we perceive that they matter more. When we say no to serving, to giving, to praying, to building, to expanding, to changing, to risking. We put a value cap on the life of someone outside these four walls. We don't need to put that much money into it. That person's not worth that much. We don't need to sacrifice that. We don't need to give up this comfortable thing. When we do that, we say that that thing is more valuable than that soul. Always quiet. Yes. I love you guys. Again, I'm not saying this is an expert. I'm saying this is like... We have an opportunity. We have an invitation. We have a responsibility. You were created to overcome the status quo. I would rather my life be fruitful than familiar. Someone is counting on you to overcome. Just like when I was standing on that bungee platform. Those spectators were counting on me to jump. Except this one's way more important. Like way more important than my pride. <laughs> it's time for us to expect God to overcome. Could I get the music team to come back? It's, it's time for us to expect God to overcome. To provide. To stop believing that evil triumphs in the world around us. John chapter 1 verse 5 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's time for us to start expecting. Can you all stand with me? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone, get this, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We have to expect God to provide otherwise he's not satisfied. Blenheim Baptist Community Church, you were created to overcome. And when you make the choice to get out of that seat and stand on the battlefield, your victory will already be close at hand. Now you real quickly turn to someone next to you and say, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overcome. You going to overcome? Come on. Are you going to overcome? Are you going to overcome? Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Good lady. I haven't done half of it. <laughs> Let's go, come on. I want to pray for some people. Can we pray for some people? Because here's the thing. I don't want I don't want to, I don't want to. If I give you a message and then we don't impart the empowerment, all I've done is piled on condemnation on you. I'm telling you right now, you will never do it on your own. So take a breath and go. Thank you. It's been that long, I'm completely out of it. So we're gonna pray for some people. But before we do that, we need to take up our ties and our offerings. Because we have a need. <laughs> I'm not, not going to be that guy. Uh, if this is your home church, we want to take some time here to give the gift of your home as an act of worship. If you belong to another church, your ties belong to another church. God doesn't want your money. I'm not here to compel you to give. If you want to give out of adoration, God loves to share with you. If you want to partner with that message, if you want to take what you have in your pocket right now and give it to give freedom to someone out there, this is the time we want to do it. But don't do it because the guy with the microphone says to do it. Do it because something in your spirit stirs and says, i got to give. Because God has given so much to me. We're going to take up our tithes and our offerings. And at the same time, if you've got prayer and self-denial and you want to put that in there, you can do that.
that as well. Let me just pray for that if you do, and then I'll talk about how we're going to pray for it. Mighty God.